What's up, everybody? I'm Zach, and this is MNF Reps. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Chelsea Reed, an Arizona-based counselor and author of the book Sexpert, Desire, Passion, Sensations, Intimacy, and Orgasms to Indulge in Your Best Sex Life. So, obviously, today we are going to talk about how a bill becomes a law. Okay, we're not. We're going to cover sexual health, the two-hour orgasm, quote-unquote normal masturbation habits, and more. Check her out at drchelsea.com, D-R-C-H-E-L-S-I-E.com. You know, a lot of folks think there's just a stigma around talking about sex as a topic, which I think is, is ridiculous, but th they do. And I think it's really important because when we're talking about wellness, fitness, health, all of that, I feel like sex has got to be in that conversation. Am I wrong? No, I think that's totally right. I mean, I know a lot of people want to be healthy. That's true. But then a lot of people go to the gym because they want to be sexy. They want to feel totally. good. You yeah. know, I mean, come on, don't tell me. You know, everyone's going to the gym just to be healthy and lower their triglycerides and everything. No, not at all. Exactly. I mean, and that's, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, I don't think. Oh, that, no. That, oh, no. Definitely. It's, yeah. It, it's all and individual. Healthy and fitness has to do with having a perfect body or anything mm -hmm. like that. Definitely no. not. But there's a difference between you know, all the different types of fitness. If you're going to be an athlete, you know, each athlete has a different look, right? And because right. they have to build up certain muscles and whatever. Same sort of thing for sex is just because you're an athlete or just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're sexually healthy or sexually more capable. Let's put that. You have uh, broader abilities depending right. on what you're wanting from sex. Yeah, but also because, you know, there's some people that their bodies might be very built up and they're huge, but depending on how they're treating their body, they may not even be able to perform sexually, which can be a problem for them mentally as well. So I just feel like it's all tied in together in that, you know, if you want to, especially if you're trying to look apart or like feel confident in yourself to, to, to go do fitness so you can start to, you know, whatever, have sex with somebody. Then yeah, don't you want to be like feeling good up in here too? And I, I, after going on your site and reading that, you know, it seems like you're able to connect all this stuff in a much more articulate way than I ever could. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you can kind of maybe break down some of, you said sexual health, I believe. Like, what would that mm -hmm. entail? Like, what is that? Well, we start with, of course, um, first thing we think for sexual health really is cardiac. You need to be heart healthy or else you're not going to be able to do anything. You know, it brings me back to some of the movies as good as it gets and such where he had to climb the stairs and get back down before he could have sex again after a heart attack. <laughs> you know, if you don't have heart health, you're not going to have good blood flow and that blood flow helps your nerves actually feel and helps you send those messages throughout your body. So no good blood flow, you're not going to feel things, you know, and that's where with diabetes, I tell guys and that sometimes their wives are amazed. They come in and they're here for, you know, oh, I want more sex or better sex or whatever. And then they mention diabetes. And I'm like, huh, how do your toes feel? And I have older guys in there and they're starting to lose the feeling in their toes. They have some numbness. I'm like, you know, it goes toes. And then in the brain, the thing next is your penis. So if you're losing feeling in your toes, you know what's coming next. And boy, they are really much better at passing on those cookies in the afternoon and grabbing an apple. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think more apples are going to be in my future now. No more yeah. no more <laughs> afternoon cookies. Uh oh, um, but then when we talk about that, you're going to get in trouble. Hope you don't like hot sauce. Hot sauce? I do like hot sauce. Oh, can we talk about some of this stuff? And I, I need to know. I mean, I need to be schooled on what to avoid, what to include, because I do think that I'm sure I'm, I'm surely walking into pitfalls that will hopefully not catch up with me down the line. Yeah, hot sauces and spicy foods are one of those things that's really difficult. It is different for each person, but it really is sort of, you know, 
what is enough for you? What is enough feeling and sensation for you? So the capsaicin that we use, you know, just it's in hot peppers, it's in hot sauce. It's also in a lot of those rubs you'll do and such mm. for pa muscle pain that right. gets into your system. And it's actually very sticky. You have dendrites in your brain that send messages back and forth and to feel pleasure that's, you know, feel good, send that message. It captures it and you have to fill in these little holes. Well, and, it, and then it says, Hey, pass on the message. And then it passes it on. Problem is capsaicin gets in there and gets stuck and it gets stuck in there for like 30 days. So oh. if you want to feel your orgasm and you've been having tons of hot sauce, then you're going to be like, woo, instead of wow, you know, it's going to, you're going to really lower and dampen those feelings okay. to where orgasm just doesn't feel quite as good. It's almost like a depressed orgasm, depressive orgasm, and you get used to it. And if you're fine with it, you're fine with it. But if you're like, hey, I want to feel more then pull back the hot sauce for a month, you know, even go cold turkey or very light for a month and then see what it feels like then. That's interesting. How do you know if you're shortchanging yourself on the orgasm front? Like how is there like a, say if we, if we pick up your book or we take some of your courses, well, do you learn, do will we learn these things? Will we under, be, have a better understanding? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And also understanding how much do you want? You know, just like when you're doing fitness, everybody has different goals and what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. Some people want to bulk up. Some people want to be a little smaller, you know, want to have more svelte muscles. I mean, one of the strongest people I know is my nephew, who's a ballerina and he plays the Nutcracker. Like he's the Nutcracker Prince in the Phoenix Symphony. And we're so proud of him. That boy is pure muscle. You hug oh, yeah. him, but he is just long, sinuous muscles. Right. But man. I mean, I think he could pick me up and throw me across the room easily. I mean, oh. you see him jump, you see him do things and it's effortless. Every yeah. little tiny muscle in his body is so strong. That's a different look than when, you know, I'm in South Chandler here. We have a lot of retired NBA guys. Uh, mm -hmm. We got a retired Diamondbacks and, and such, and they look different. You know, you want different muscles and such and a different outcome. So depending on what you want from sex, it's not all the same outcome. Not everybody's just going in there and, you know, doing innies and outies and having an orgasm and you're done. You know, right. that's sort of sad, pathetic sex, you know, no, you know, sort of yucky. It has its yeah. place, but, you know, it makes me think of like the Jetsons. I remember on the Jetsons, I'm sorry, I think of like TV and food a lot. He can have just pills and that's his meal. Like instead of eating an actual meal, he could just like grab yeah. pills and that was his meal. Who wants to do that? I mean, I'm okay yeah. having protein shakes and things like that, but not for my entire life. Right. And I wouldn't want to have a life where you just eat the pills and you're full just to get to that end point of you had food. Well, you don't want to just get to the point where you can just always just have an orgasm. Um, you know, I teach people how to mental orgasm and that's where my research is on and these especially women can have orgasm anytime they want to men as well and they don't just have an orgasm they're not just like hey let's just have orgasms whenever they put them into different scenarios for different reasons there's you want different outcomes from sex you know there are times right. you want to have sex and not have an orgasm so when it goes to like how much hot sauce well what's enough for you what is fulfillment yeah. to you you know, are you feeling enough of an orgasm or do you want, you know, you're not getting that toe curling full body reaction and maybe you just don't know how to have a full body orgasm or maybe we're going towards it and your chemicals are too sticky. Your brain is just messed up with that capsaicin or maybe, you know, you're not heart healthy enough. Maybe you have a poor firing speed with your neurons and such. And so we need to get that healthier. 
clearly you're schooled on this and you're very comfortable talking about it, but do you think some people hold themselves back because they're, um, I guess, maybe afraid to open up or explore? So like they're never going to be able to achieve those, those types of feelings you're saying because they're just kind of too, I don't even know what the word would be. Maybe it's too hidden or too tense. I'm not really sure. But to repress to, yes, you know, yeah, there we go. Yes, yeah. Repress is a big one we use for sex. And also with religion, religion often represses people when it comes to sex. I get a lot of that where we have to heal that connection between religion and sex, but also people who don't want that to happen. You know, when we talk about mental orgasms and women's orgasms in general, a big part of it is allowing it and that they have to release it. They have to allow their body to do it. A lot of women just hold that back. They don't feel comfortable. They're not going to do it, you know, which is also why you don't make a woman orgasm. You also don't make a man orgasm. They have to allow it. They have to be willing to sort of give that up, to allow that vulnerability, to allow their body to relax and respond how it wants to or how they're choosing to let it. It's a huge part. And that means that, yeah, until they get over that, until they push themselves out of it through, through many different ways, you know, but mostly of course I'm a therapist. So I think they should go and get some therapy and fix that shame, guilt, lack of trust, lack of security, you know, being able to feel vulnerable is a huge part of it. If you want to let yourself have that, I mean, you're saying, I want my body to do something weird and strange and sort of allow it to just sort of go crazy. Well, then you have to let go of those reins a little bit. Right. And, a lot of people don't know that, you know, yeah. they don't know that feeling of security and safety in just themselves, even with masturbation to let that happen, let alone with a partner. And then partners are like, well, why are we not having good sex? You know, they come into my office because they want a better sex life and say, everything's great. Oh, we're, we're fine. We love each other. We problem solve. Everything's great. And I'm like, really? That's usually not the case. It can be. And we do a little sex life polish up. It's three sessions. They're out. But usually there's something about that sense of security, feeling understood, you know, really feeling good with that other person. If you don't feel safe, secure and connected to that other person, you can't be vulnerable. You mentioned you know? masturbation. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. You, but you mentioned masturbation. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask a question about that because uh, mm -hmm. I remember this was a question that was posed to us a while back that I meant to ask somebody, I'm never going to remember where it was because it was actually so long ago. But the question was, was what's, what, is there such a thing as too much? Is it like, what is quote unquote normal? And I thought it was a really interesting question because I don't have any idea what the answer is, but I figure since you're here now, maybe I can fill that void and know it. So normal isn't always healthy, right? I mean, okay. it's normal to eat a lot of McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever. That's not necessarily healthy, right? But it also moderation and everything in moderation, including moderation. And when it comes to masturbation, I tell people for sexual things, we have so much shame, guilt, cultural bias, things like that built up. Replace the, replace the word masturbation or whatever it is you're asking about with something that doesn't have all that junk attached to it, like bubble gum. So if you tell me, well, I chew one piece of bubble gum a day. And during that time, you know, I'm watching videos and I'm alone and hanging out. And then I just go throughout the rest of my day. But if you tell me that your significant other is upset because, um, you know, that's getting in the way of other things, then that's a problem. You know, right. I've had clients who are masturbating because they get home earlier than their partner. And then they're trying to have a baby, but 
the guy's masturbating and then she comes home well he's already sorry for you know he's blown his wad already those no, babies are already gone. that first boom is right that's when you're gonna have it so he's really a lower sperm count such they're not going to get pregnant as easily um you know but if somebody says oh, the masturbation three times a day, but it takes, you know, two or three minutes. It's not causing physical harm. It's not a problem in their life and it feels good and they're fine. Who cares? I don't care if that's the, that number is 10. It has to do with how it impacts your life. Does that condition you to like climax quicker when you're with a woman though? Like if you're, if you're, you know, if you're masturbating a handful of times a day at the two or three minute a clip, when you're with a woman, are you going to be able to like contain yourself or is it going to be like, Oh boy. Usually it'll cause a problem, but because they're not learning the other way. So again, I relate it to food. If you don't have much time, you can take that Big Mac and pound it down really fast and just eat your food and be done. But then you can also go somewhere and have a seven course meal that takes three, four hours. So it's, are you able to act differently and, you know, enjoy yourself differently and have the experience be different or, you know, some people habituate themselves so much to just that quick stuff that that's all they really want to have. And that's all they expect to where, especially with masturbation for men and women. And, you know, I hate using men and women. It's just so easy. I am old school, you know, trying to get, oh, yeah. you know, penis equipped and vulva equipped, but for anybody, when it comes to masturbation, if you get used to one way, then you're only going to respond one way. Cause that's your go-to. You got to be open to experiencing more and to responding to more. And so, yeah, I do see that, you know, everybody can get used to masturbating and only responding physically to what they know. And so So, then we take that and we incorporate that into their partnered sex. And then we also learn how to um, experience and enjoy other things during sex so they can broaden that out. But we don't just say stop doing it. But and even with the masturbation, if you're masturbating five times a day, which is not normal, you know, it's, it's more than the average person, but if you're changing it up and making it different each time, you're not going to have that problem. No. Yeah. I, I just got wrapped up in what you were just saying. Cause I had a question, but now I'm like, wow, that's that I just got interested in, I mean, in your answer there. Um, the whole, the whole talk about like what's normal and what's not, I totally understand where you're coming from, where you're saying it's all personal, but I guess, and maybe this is where, um, you know, again, I, I lean on the experts for this, where it's like, do we, fee- do we have those lines drawn because of what we're culturally conditioned to think is good or bad, whether it's, you said religion or whether we're seeing it on TV or whether whatever, like, are we just kind of preconditioned or we've, l- we've learned these, these kind of stereotypes or stigmas? Yeah, definitely. It's all very cultural. Depends on where you are and what you're doing. I mean, heck, if I were to say that, you know, that somebody takes off a big long lunch and has sex at their lunchtime three times a week, that'd be weird for America. That'd be okay. If you're in France, you know, it just depends on where you're from and what you're doing. You know, we, people have changed their sex lives for culture. Also our culture changed with all of this staying at home, you know, people working at home, maybe they can have sex in the mornings a little more easily because they don't have their commute. Maybe the kids are off to school and they can, you know, enjoy something in the afternoon or, you know, whatever, you know, I know a lot of people, that are doing even the hookup apps. It's so much more flexible now that they work from home, they don't have their commutes, they have more freedom during their day. But there is, you know, research based, we know what most people do and what sort of the standard norm is. But I hate leaning on that because it is just biases. 
you know, but people do, they want to feel good. They want to say like, Ooh, I'm normal. Okay. But how about we just ask, is it healthy or not? Is it good for you? Right. When is sex unhealthy? Is it when you're, it's used as a crutch or some emotional tool to mask something like pain? Like when, it, cause it can be, people can turn it into something that's maybe destructive to them. Correct. Like what would, what would those be? Like what would that scenario be? Yeah. Well, for pain, I would say it depends on what you're using, what type of pain. If you're using it for physical pain, woohoo, good for you. Right. You know, orgasm does help with physical pain. And so, you know, so much better than a lot of things we have. And it's just another thing in your pain toolbox. I also specialize in pain management and orgasm can be used for pain management. But if we're talking about emotional pain, yeah, a lot of people, they feel insecure or they just aren't feeling good. And so they'll do that. Well, it depends. Are you doing it with the knowledge of this is just like a small little fix and it's just for now and it's not phys fixing the problem, but it's just sort of like a little comfy thing to do. You know, that's not bad. A lot of people have sex at funerals or right after, you know, around grieving because it helps them connect. It helps them feel loved and secure. So that's not bad. That what gets bad is if, again, it's causing problems in your life. Are you using sex and you're not addressing the issue? Right. If you're using it just as a, you know, shortstop method or, you know, to help you with other areas and then you're still cleaning up the problem, you're fine. But if, let's say, you know, we have a lot of research on men using masturbation to feel more confident. Well, if you're having a problem where now you're having a hard time finding time and place to masturbate before big meetings or anything, then yeah, yeah. that's starting to become a problem. Let's work on the confidence as well from another angle. Are we moving forward in terms of, I, I, this is kind of a two-pronged question and it's, and maybe it's, it's a loaded question. I don't know, but I feel like that's obviously heading backward, but in, is there any way we're moving forward? And do you think that's actually moving backward, that, that reversal? I think it's horrendous. I think it's so awful and barbaric. You know, abortion doesn't go away. Abortion is healthcare. Abortion is freedom. Abortion is control and autonomy over your own body. So taking that away from people, whoever they may be, and allowing the law to, to manage that, you know, that is not the way to go. Doctors manage health care, not the government. Yeah. And it's not going to go away. There's going to be ways. Women have always found ways to have orgasms from the dawn of time. Uh, sorry, organ. Uh, <laughs> see, I say that word so much. To have abortions. <laughs> And orgasms too, but abortions because it medically is needed. You know, I've had help syndrome twice, which is preeclampsia, but worse. And I had very severe help syndrome. Uh, I had about a 12% chance of living with my first child and 8% the second time. They told me I may not get it the second time. It's why I had a second kid. If I get pregnant now, for whatever reason, my husband's fixed, but if something were to happen, I, you know, I would need an abortion. My doctors would not allow me to carry a pregnancy, I could easily die. And way before I gave birth or anything, my body would not survive it. That's pretty much just a given. I mean, they were, every time I came after my second child, they would ask, are you fixed yet? Are you fixed yet to my husband? I mean, these people were about to just rip out a scalpel and go at yeah. him because I really cannot. And there's other women in the world who are like that or women where it's just not something that is going to it's not something that is going to be good in their lives for a lot of reasons. And abortion also limits women when it comes to choices in life. 
I wrote a poem. I was up late at night with a migraine and I can get sort of creative when I have migraines. And I wrote a poem about, oh, the places will go until they overturn Roe. And it's all about, because my daughter was graduating kindergarten. So you see that, oh, the places they'll go by Dr. Seuss over and over. And this is back in May. And so there's, you know, overturn a row, her graduating. And in my mind, they came together. And then, so each stanza, it's first a girl who gets pregnant, you know, young, and that's going to change the direction of her life, having now a baby that she didn't get a choice whether to have or not. And then on to, um, on to being raped is the second stanza. And the third stanza is a mother who has to carry a child to term, but dies. You know, yeah. so it's very morbid and such, but it's really to show that, you know, the choices are being taken away and that that's not okay. But to go into the sex part of that is I've had a lot of clients who, with the stress of Roe v. Wade, not even that it affects their life, you know, like for me, it really doesn't, isn't going to affect most of my life unless I'm raped or something, I'm not going to get pregnant. And so it doesn't really affect me personally. But still, it makes the idea of sex scary. It, a lot of women that I've had in my office, they are terrified to have sex because of what could happen. You know, they already have two children. What if they die having a third? Or what if they want to move to Texas, but or their kid wants to go to college in Texas? What if something yeah. happens to her? You know, so that gets very yeah. scary. But we are moving forward. So that's pulled us back just from, you know, making yeah. stress making sex stressful and political and you don't talk about that and read about that and then go to bed that night being like hey honey let's get it on right. you know that's yeah. not gonna happen no. so a lot of women are are scared of sex just from that but then we move on to are we moving forward yeah i think we're moving forward in realizing things like gender is a construct and thus our sexual roles and sexuality and how just we are in the bedroom is a construct unless you're baby making the rest of sex is up for grabs so yeah. we don't need to have it be so basic and boring and missionary and get in, get out. It doesn't have to be something that is just for, you know, our weeklies or something like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's getting to be more, more accepted. It's also more accepted that teenagers having sexual thoughts and feelings is normal and that it's okay and that we need to help them and help them know that their hormones are just huge, you know? Yeah. And so their wants and desires for sex and feelings of love and such are just giant. They're so magnified and to still be safe. And we're talking about safety and understanding that it's not something to be shy about anymore. You know, I love that I don't see condoms locked up in Walgreens and such. I wish they still had a better variety and had things like flavored condoms for oral sex and that there was better knowledge across the board. But we're moving forward, I think, in the freedom to have good sex. I think that's coming up with information like this podcast and such to share with people. You can have actual good sex and you can have great sex and you can have, you know, two hour long orgasm if you want to. Most of my clients are not so into that because, you know, too much of a good thing. But you can decide what you want. You know, so many people don't have a bed in. I have that in my book. And it's just like, really? That just, come on. You know, go have a nice bed. Two hours <laughs> though? Really? That, I didn't even know. know that was possible. What? A bed? Oh, a two-hour orgasm? Yeah. Very possible. Mm. Mental orgasms especially, you can elongate them for as long as you want. Men and women. 
for men, we, you know, make it the dry orgasm, the pubococcygeal muscle, and just let that turn into waves over and over and quite often like a full body over and over and over like waves passing over you. Wow. Dude, that's yeah. interesting. And that's all in your book? Because no, what chapter is that? Can I skip that's to that hard chapter? To build up. It's easy to build up to. It's a hard to endure. It, you know, you have to build up to being able to manage that much pleasure. Sounds weird, but you can only take so much. No, I, I, I listen, I, I can tell you that I, I can understand it, but I don't because yeah. again, I just learned about it, but I do know what you mean. Like it's, it seems like a, two hours seems pretty intense, but I mean, yeah. It be, yeah. It's sort of like when people want a romantic evening, but you yeah. know, it, after a while you're like, can we stop the romance and just chill? It's a little yeah. intense. You know, yeah. so a two hour orgasm is definitely too intense for most people, I would think, but it's something you build up to, you know, and it's, if you want to, you don't need to, you don't need yeah. to check off these boxes to be like, the whole point of sexpert is not that you are checking off the boxes that you can do these things. It's understanding that you can have the sex life you want to have. If you want to have more of whatever, well, what is that more? And a lot of people just think the more is buying toys or adding in a kink or something like that, when that's not necessarily what they want. That is, you know, that that's adding to it, but it's adding the same thing. Maybe you want to broaden it out, add more intimacy, more connection, maybe different types of orgasm, add in, you know, a bigger buildup with the sexual response cycle and really have that huge buildup and a bigger orgasmic experience or not have the orgasm and really enjoy all of that pleasure that comes before. So it seems like, I guess, and maybe this is where people want to bow out because it seems like work. It seems like you have to put work in and you have to be willing to put the effort in, right? So some people might just be in that, like you said before, like the in and out of like, oh, well, this is what it's supposed to be when they'll never really understand that it can be more and be more fulfilling and be more enjoyable because they're just not able to, to move past where, like whatever they're, whatever's keeping them there, whatever's like gluing them to that, to that notion. Yeah. And a lot of people think that if they put in that work or effort or they do something like intimacy, connectiveness, they're going to lose like the raw animalistic. I just want it to be intense and just happen. Well, yeah, but you can have both. You can have all. And a lot of it is they don't understand what they don't understand. You know, I compare it to sort of math of if you're in adding and subtracting, you know, if you can add and subtract, why do you need to multiply, divide or anything else? You're doing fine. You can balance a checkbook. Why do you need more? Because there is more and it does build on itself. But just like with exercising, you know, you work at it and you get some benefits out of it and you can build up and you can do more, you know, yoga, you can be more limber, you can get into better positions and just for your own sense of self-accomplishment. But this is very different in that for one, you get results fast. We're talking mm. super fast. A lot of my activities there, you get that night. The same time that you try it, you get results. So we're not saying you're putting in hours of work like you're dieting and exercising. We're saying you put in 30 minutes and you're getting something big out of it. And you're putting in, you know, if somebody has inorgasmia, they don't orgasm. Usually, usually the homework is three times a week, 30 minutes. And, you know, for a lack of a better word, they're fixed really quick. One yeah. to two weeks. You know, a lot of my clients, if we don't have a lot of other things that we need to clear out, it's just a physical lack of knowledge, then yeah. But if they have an anxiety or 
trauma or something, we can go through that as well. But all this fun sex expert stuff, really fast, really well, fast results. When, when you're talking about like your clients, right? So do, mm -hmm. does it take, um, and not to stereotype, but does it take men longer to kind of sometimes open up and be honest about some problems? Or is it sometimes the women? Is it sometimes just both? Nobody wants to kind of, they're at the stalemate. How does that normally, or are they coming there and they're like, you know what? We're here for a reason. Like, let's just let it all out. Oh, no. Most people come in and they just let it all out. The men especially are very open to talking. They feel comfortable talking to a woman about sex, but not to a man about sex quite often. Some of them, you know, it's just, they've always talked to women when it comes to these things. They've always, you know, been with a woman, you know, straight, I'm talking about straight men and they just feel comfortable. You know, also I'm little, I'm not even five foot tall. I'm nothing, I'm not intimidating or anything. We just sit back and chat. They can use whatever words they want to. I don't get people holding back about sex. I think people want to talk about sex and they don't get the opportunity. So any party I go to, I get pulled off to different corners by different people. You know, I get people coming and handing me business cards to have lunches or call me up for coffees or whatever. That is not a problem. People want to talk about sex. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about their sex life. The only times I see shying away is, let's say, a party with like couples. The men usually don't want to talk about sex in front of their wives and, or husbands or whatever. Just I find that a lot, of, a lot of the men are going to be shy around their partners and the women will be somewhat shy around their partners. So if I separate them because there's more of a group, then they're right. more than good. And usually I'm not separating them. They're the ones pulling me off to a corner and there's, you know. A lot of guys, whether gay, straight, bi, pan, whatever. It's it's interesting how the the gender lines really come out at that point. The party yeah. gender lines really do come out. You I, know, I'll um, tell you this. Yeah. I don't really know all of like what what everything means. I just I guess it's also because I don't really care in that I'm not concerned about anybody else's who the, what their preferences are. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I do know obviously like some but like that i just can't believe that that it's a problem for some people still like who likes who or doesn't like who or like what gender that who cares uh -huh. i st i just can't believe i feel like we're that's where i feel like we get stuck because i'm like you know yeah. making people feel vilified for who they fall for or who they love or who they they, they think they love or whatever it is what they're going uh -huh. through i just feel like there's other things we could do with ourselves that would be more more productive I really, I don't get it either. It makes no sense. It, to me, it's like arguing that you have to have French fries with steak or something. Well, I don't care if you like it, you have it. You know, yeah. if I want to have rice or bread or carrots, it's up to me. You know, I have no idea why people care what happens in other people's bedrooms. And even, you know, from a religious standpoint, I don't understand if, if you think it's a sin, then don't do it. But right. if somebody else does it, let that be on them. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you, yeah. Can, you can maybe preach to them or send them a little note, but then leave them alone. Oh, Give them your two thing. cents and walk away. I mean, but I think that's right in everything else. Like with exercise, let's say you have a friend who's getting a little chubby or they're just weightlifting and not doing cardio and you want to have a talk with them. Fine. Give your two cents, but then back off. Exactly. You know, uh, don't yeah, be in their you... face saying, man, you got to be doing the wad. Where, where's your workout of the day? Or, hey, if you don't do spin, you know, you're just, you don't have it if you don't do spin. You got to do Pilates. You got to do... No, yeah. <laughs> I'll do whatever I want, when I want, for the results I want. Uh, but yeah, everybody with who they want to and why they want to. I mean, I have everybody in my life. And of course, for what I do, I meet with everybody of every type. And I even have people who don't want to see me as a therapist just because I'm a registered kink knowledgeable therapist. Because I work with people right. who are in a kink lifestyle. You won't come get come see me for help. 
that's really odd. What's the difference between kick and a finish? Positions about that or anything along those lines. It's very interesting. Uh, what is the difference between a kink and a fetish? So really kink and fetish, we call that basically the same thing. It's just something that's interesting. Some people say the difference would be a fetish would be something that you're into um, maybe a little more than a kink. It's more than just something you add to sex, but something you're much more into and you always have part of it, like you super like it. But the real big de definition that we care about is kink or fetish versus paraphilia. Paraphilia is a word that we use clinically, and that means that it's something that you feel you need for sex and okay. that it's causing a problem in your life, such as my clients who have diaper paraphilias, where they can't have sex, they can't ejaculate, they can't have pleasure without their partner wearing a diaper. Right. Then that's a problem. If you have to have something, then that becomes a problem and it becomes a problem in your relationship. I mean, obviously if this person has to have it, but they're in a relationship where it's totally supported, it wouldn't necessarily be a problem. But I also like to think of the desert island effect. What if you're stuck on a desert island? Would you be okay? Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I try to get my clients to have a healthy, happy sex life if they're on a desert island. You know, toys can be great, lubes, whatever's out there, sure. But have a really good, fulfilling sex life even without it. Those are additives. Yeah. But with a paraphilia also, it can be very distracting to where it's intrusive thoughts throughout the day. Um, often if it's, you know, a piece of clothing, then that can be very disruptive that they're just walking through their day and now they have these big sexual urges because they saw that clothing item. That yeah, can be a big problem. About, so about the we don't really distinguish too much or care too much about fetish or kink or whatever different words people want to use. Um, you know, yeah. that stuff, we don't care about words as much in psychology as people think. We don't memorize all the phobias. We don't do any of that sort of circus sideshow stuff that people think we do. Yeah, no, I guess it was just for my own edification. I didn't know oh, no. um, if they were synonymous or whatever, but um, no, that's good to know. Cause, uh, and yeah, I never, I never really thought that too, that, that you had to, that you guys would be looking up everything or be able to just pull every, everything out of the air. Cause uh, look, it's, it's, just from what you've said today, what you've covered, it's broad. There's a lot to yeah. it. I've got more questions, but I'd love to take this, you know, compact it, transcribe it. And then, um, I don't know if you're willing, I'd love to, to do this again sometime. And I'd love, if, if you could of just course. let me know where the best way is, is it www.drchelsea.com. And yes. you're at Dr. Chelsea on basically everything, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, what are we, what are we going to see? If we go on your social media, are we going to see you kind of, you know, talking about questions that people have given you? Are you kind of, are you giving tips? Are you just, you know, taking excerpts from the book or from your courses? What, what are we going to get? You're going to get sort of a randomness right now. Right now I have an idea of where I want to go to make it a little more organized or whatever, just for my own sanity, but I'm more than happy to answer questions and give feedback. Sometimes I'll duet people on TikTok, especially and correct them or add in a little science to something they're saying or a little clarification. Um, you know, I'm just having fun with it. That's where it is cool. on social media. I just have fun with it. So I'm always open to stump the teacher. I love questions. I love people getting those answered. And, but I also like giving information that people don't know about. You can't ask a question if you don't know the information to begin with. So I love just giving information and having it out there. But yeah, read the book and you'll come up with, uh, you know, more 
specific questions and less broad, but there's so many fun things to do in there for all, you know, expertise levels, if you want to put it that way, but quick results and lots of fun. That's what the book awesome. is all about. There's no stories of other people or ideas of what's right or wrong. You know, as long as everything's consensual and not going to hurt anybody, why do we care? Yeah, no, I agree. No, nothing uh, is gendered or anything. So yeah, this awesome. book is very specifically made for this current social place that we're at now where it really i'm not talking about gender i'm not talking about orientation it's how to have pleasure yeah. how to enjoy each other how to connect how to get all those aspects of sex that a lot of people don't even know exist and so you know it's it's like only eating american food of you know the 50s style meatloaf mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and now you're finding a whole world of culinary adventure sort of thing but it's with sex and people don't know what they don't know right and that's, yeah, this is a little tiny book where you can get it all. It's awesome. And I, I, I appreciate your time. I really do. And I want to thank you. Um, I want to get my, my paws on this thing and dive into it. I really am way, way more curious now than, you know, I guess it's because just talking to you, you could A, tell you're super into the topic and you're into it and you're not just, you know, it just doesn't seem like, you know, you're forced to do this, which is cool. But also that it just does seem really easy to talk to you about these things Be that you're really, I don't know, it's just feels comfortable. So that's Well, thank that's cool. you. And I'd be very interested to know what, you know, you didn't know once you read the book, you know, what things pique your interest and what things you go, wow, I didn't know I was missing out on that. I would, I would be a hundred percent honest with you about it for sure. Cause I'm, I'm always willing to, I always want to learn new stuff. And especially when it comes to connecting, you know, with, with my wife or, you know, we definitely want to have the strongest relationship possible. So we're always willing to learn and explore how we can do that. Yeah. And I don't know how long you've been married, but you know, I've been married for 20 years and almost at 30 years together. We're high school wow. sweethearts and you can always have a great sex life for your entire life. That's great. You know, yeah, that's, you that's awesome. New. It can always be a new way. You guys are both changing. Your body's changing. Just, it's wonderful to always connect with your partner. You know, when you have a good partner, then you, you don't get bored with them. Yeah. I always say that only boring people get bored. That includes with sex. Only boring people get bored. <laughs> Do you go by Dr. Chelsea or Dr. Reed? Dr. Chelsea. Dr. Chelsea, it is. Yeah, that's really what it fun. says on everything. That's all the social media. I'm Fair easy enough. to find. Cool. Thank you Great. again. Thank you um, so much. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.